Hi, I'm Jesse. Welcome to Red Cloaks Radio, where we are counting down in Massachusetts. Joining me today are my co-hosts. Martha from the Boston Red Cloaks. Hi, I'm Laura. I'm here from the Boston Red Cloaks and Advocates for Women's Empowerment. Hi, I'm Laurie. I'm from Cape Cod Women for Change, and I'm also the representative uh, to the Indivisible Mass Coalition. And I'm excited to hear from Kate Freilich from NARAL again to hear her analysis about advocating for the ROAC. Hi, Kate. Glad you're here. Going back to the conversation that we had with Tammy Gouveia, and um, I'm still struck by something that she said, and that was that legislators, you know, mostly the male legislators just don't, they don't know a whole lot about this. And they also don't know a lot about female anatomy or anything else. And so um, it, it just struck me as, as uh, you know, is that where we're missing out? Is that something that we should be doing better or more of? Like, let's educate these men. Let's, let's tell them what this means to women and teens. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, we can't go back in time and change that said <laughs> that they had. It's never too late. For better. But... You know, we have worked hard. Our lobbyists have worked tirelessly to meet with all of them, to sit with them one-on-one and go through this bill. And people retain what they're going to retain. And I think emphasizing whatever part of the Roe Act might resonate with them. So knowing that people who are under 18 don't have to go in front of a judge, that's a justice issue. That's a racial justice issue. And you don't necessarily need to know the ins and outs of abortion care to know that that's a huge issue. So I think, you know, talking to legislators and framing it in a way that's going to resonate with them. And that's, that's really the way we have to go. Um, So I have a follow up to that because I, I'm, I'm a linguist and I am a little bit interested in messaging. And um, I've, I've noticed like at our forums that we've had, you know, people talk about, um, you know, ripping babies out of wounds, right? Um, and you do have to talk about those nitty gritty details in a way that answers their questions without, um, without offending them somehow. Um, and, and other facts like uh, a lot of people don't understand what a medication abortion is. So a lot of the language that we tend to use as we're advocating for things leaves, leaves out the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I keep finding myself trying to explain to mostly men that we're talking about a simple procedure of taking prescription medicine and that if we wait two weeks while we wait for a lawyer and a judge and a whatever, it moves to something bigger. Mm-hmm. They don't even know that it's, mm-hmm. that's what happens. They have this vision in their head of this table with the legs up in the air and surgical instruments, mm-hmm. horrible procedure. And that's why we just had a conversation with somebody who's running for office here. You know, he talks about it being a traumatic experience for girls and women. And well, we all know that's not true. They just are, they need to know the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. How do we convey that? I think we need to, we need to come with facts. And there's certain things like the inflammatory things where the response is that's simply not scientifically accurate, that's not right. medically accurate, and that's simply not how abortion care works. And that's that, but then we can educate, we can say there are medication abortions. And and you're right, I think that is something that people do need to hear. 
but then also there's the question of are they listening and are they going to digest that and hear it or are they going to stick to their talking points um and i think words really do do matter and so we have to be careful you know whenever we speak saying abortion and later in pregnancy instead of late-term abortions um language matters and we have to that's something we really have to figure out and keep talking about so um, from what Laurie said and Kate and our previous talk with the teenagers, I think what we should do also is to educate everybody because what they told us is that they don't give them the enough information. They had to look it up either in the computer or with somebody else, among, even among themselves. So what we need to do is educate everybody everybody needs to know and we have to keep on talking about it but mm -hmm. people i think go oh, i don't want to talk about it or this is a sensitive subject mm -hmm. stop with sensitive subjects everything mm -hmm. is sensitive yeah. mm -hmm. the education of your kids yeah. the covid everything so we have to call the things la like they're called a penis is a penis a vagina is a vagina mm -hmm. it's not a bpdiddy and all those things i completely agree with you on that we have to abortion is normal abortion is healthcare. we have to talk about it as such we have to continue to make it just a normal part of human experience i another side of me i will be commissioned as a deacon in the methodist church in a couple months and so will be ordained and i feel especially in communities of faith this isn't really the taboo subject in so many communities that people think it is but if you keep approaching it like a taboo subject it's going to stay that way well said and we know from some of our other interviews that the the presence the strong historical presence of the catholic church in massachusetts mm -hmm. has an impact so mm -hmm. it needs to be addressed and understood and then we know in the coalition you have catholics for choice are mm -hmm. at the table so mm -hmm. people who are catholic need to also understand it's there's not just one way of thinking mm -hmm. if you happen to be catholic there are mm -hmm. different points of view and different mm -hmm. ways that people respect women and all pregnant people. In terms of other legislation, it was great to see the act to reduce racial inequities in maternal health mm -hmm. pass. Are there lessons that you took away from the success of that where you can apply them here or things that you think we should know about so we understand what helped make that work? I laugh because I wish that anything I wish that we could learn lessons other than the legislature responds to the moment we're in. Um, and they saw that bill as taking action. And we're very clear that, you know, this bill on reducing inequities in maternal mortality is a very small part of the solution. But it became clear that the legislature needed to act on racial justice. And this is one of the bills that they're taking action on and um you know we did i think one lesson is we worked on this bill and made sure it centered the voices of those most affected and pushed really hard and thought hard about this bill and everything that went into it and so i think that's a lesson is remembering who you're writing the bill with and who you're advocating for it with 
It's and then like letting it, them lead when the legislature decides this is something they care about, letting their voices be the ones that are heard and not so much ours. There was another part of this that I remember where you had great photo setups at the state house with Marty Walsh was there. You had different legislators standing out in front of the state house showing that they supported the Roe Act. How, how yeah. did you get those pictures organized with the different legislators in alignment yeah. on the Roe Act? So I think we had the Mayors for Roe press event, which was a great event. And we had, I think, nine, maybe it was nine or 15 mayors from across the state that were there speaking. And that was a, that was a great photo op. And it was also a great way to say that this is an issue that communities across the state care about. Um, we've had legislators, you know, we, we have developed a whole constituency group program. So we have providers for the Roe Act, faith leaders for the Roe Act, law, uh, lawyers, business leaders, and making sure that the legislature knows that voices of all kinds support this bill and want it to move forward. It does sound like they need something shovel ready at certain times, like when you describe the other act. And last one is on the Healthy Youth Act so many times bringing that back and back and back and back. Mm -hmm. Do you have thoughts about that? Because some of our other guests have talked about patterns they see in things that are not passed quickly or effectively that may have a lot of co-sponsors, mm -hmm. but they don't get passed. Yeah. Um, I, I wish I had a better explanation than Things are taken up when leadership feels that they should be taken up. And it's hard. We know that someone being a co-sponsor of the bill means that hopefully that they support it, but it might mean that they got a lot of pressure to sign on and they didn't read the bill and um, are now looking at it and are like, huh? Um, I think misinformation is a big component sometimes in that knowing what the bill actually stands for and making it it clear um i wish i wish i could tell you why it keeps failing but i i know we got to keep up public pressure on that bill too because it is unacceptable that we don't regulate sex ed here um and the healthy youth act is really the bare minimum that we could do so i i would hope that at some point we're able to do that <laughs> Well, we have a lot of work to do, and I think building the bridges between all the groups is definitely part mm -hmm. of what will make us mm -hmm. successful. And mm -hmm. the longer they make us wait, the stronger we become because we know yeah. each other better. We build out that trust, mm -hmm. and it's really helpful to get this time with you today. Thank you all. Thank you.